and welcome to this week's episode of Can I Be Funny? I'm JQ. And on the show this week, we have got the wonderful Pippa Evans. We're talking about loads of different things, so uh, let's get stuck in. Pippa. Hi. Welcome to the show. So, I met you at an open mic comedy gig. Yeah, which one was it? Laugh a Minute over in Tottenham Court Road. At the Wheat Sheaf. The Wheat Sheaf. I love the Wheat Sheaf, and I love Dave that runs the Wheat Sheaf, because he really supports people doing weird stuff in his upstairs room which you could probably <laughs> get corporate bookings for and make lots of money out but dave fights on and lets people rent it and just do weird shows not care if three people turn <laughs> up or 300 people turn up that's quite a good night the night that we did it did it as far as i can remember i think there was like 15 or 20 people yes i did it last week and it was very quiet yeah but i think mm. i think that's part part of it and i think that's the best training yeah. actually is that you turn up you don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> Uh, and uh, and sometimes your best shows, like I did a gig the other day in Sutton and it was a room that probably should have 300 people in it. And I think it had about 50 people in it. Wow. And that's kind of the same uh, ratio as the Wheat Sheaf uh, with sort of four people in it. And, but actually it was a really great night because the audience had decided we're going to have the best night. Yeah. And so everyone just flew off the stage. It was just great. It was, it was like when we left, we felt like we were best friends. It was lovely. Oh, that's great. So let's go back to the very start. The very start, yes. You might have talked about this before elsewhere, but I haven't heard it. Okay. What is your origin story? Well, I think, I think it's very tricky to have an origin story. Yeah. So I'd, I'd always wanted to be a comedian. That's what I'd always wanted to be. So I know okay. some people fall into it, but I'd just always loved comedy. Yeah. I, my parents were in amateur dramatics. So ah. I was on stage from the, the first time I could speak. I learned very quickly that being loud is good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so I'd always loved singing. We were in church pantomimes and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I'd always liked being funny and I, and I always loved comedians. I loved Billy Connolly. I loved, I used to watch Lee Evans' video over and over and over. I loved Victoria Wood. Yeah. I loved all these shows and I loved Whose Line Is It Anyway as well was my other favourite show. So I'd always wanted to do stand-up. And when I was at school, I used to take assembly all the time. And uh, so I, I just, and I really enjoyed standing in front of, um, you know, 500 girls and making them laugh five minutes. Uh because I suppose anything was better than the headmistress, but um, I like to think it was because I was hilarious. Uh, and then I went to university and I did drama, and I sort of, I think I was a bit scared to be a comedian. Oh, wait, I missed a bit out. So I left school, and I did a stand-up comedy course at the City Lit when I was 18, and um, with Andy Fox, uh, who recently toured in Scrooge, uh, in the title role. And he, uh, and, and it was really scary, because I was the youngest person by by something like, I don't know, 10, 12 years. Right. And um, this was, yeah, 18, so that's was 14 years ago. Wow. And uh, it was before there was loads of young people on the circuit. So at the moment, there's lots and lots and lots of young people on the circuit. Yeah. At that time, it really wasn't. And um, I think I did about 20 gigs. And, uh, and I sort of went, actually, I haven't got anything to say. And I found myself sort of not confident. It's not that I wasn't a confidence thing. It was more just that I felt like I didn't have anything particularly interesting to say. So I yeah. stopped doing it. And then I went to university and did drama, and then I think I was a bit scared of being a comedian, so I started trying to be a serious actress and learned very quickly that I can't do that. <laughs> I have an inability to be on stage without winking. Um, so then I started doing stand-up as myself again, and oh, I know that started because... Uh, I'm going, I want to say that... So Luke Tolson, who's a stand-up comedian, I met him when he was in his double act, Tolson and Harvey, and he was making a short 
comedy film with some friends of mine mm. who I knew from school. And they said, we need someone to be girl in a red dress. Will you come and be a girl in a red dress? Yeah. So I was like, yeah, sure, sure, I'll do that. So, um, so that's when I met them. And Luke said, oh, I think you should, you know, try writing more stuff because I think you're funny. So he sort of pushed me into doing, doing it, which was very good that he did that. Um, but I can't remember how I got back into straight stand-up. So I must have just started doing it again. But Roddy Fraser was the first person ever to pay me. Do you ah, know who he is? That's a good name, though. So he used to run the bathhouse, which no longer exists, ah. uh, which was on Dean Street. And they, on a Friday and Saturday night, I think it was, and there was a, he ran a gig, and it was, really, it was the good open mic kind of gig. So right. What Angel is now, do you think? Yeah, probably, but people paid to come in. Oh, right. So so it was paid and it was full at Friday, Saturday. It would always have an audience. Nice. And uh, and the acts were really good, you know, but everyone was sort of, was new, but that was the night that you wanted to do. Uh, and sometimes you get paid and sometimes you'd be bought a drink and sometimes money would just be forgotten. <laughs> uh, but it was really good. And he was very encouraging to me as well. Um, so was, well, I think it's very important to find these people that encourage you. Um, and then from then I just started doing more and more sort of stand-up. And then um, then Loretta Main was this character I do sort of came out of somewhere and uh and that sort of became the thing that people went oh that that's really good i'd like uh, to see that more yeah you know so that's that's probably the beginning the of beginning. me because what i find fascinating about is um if when you see pro comedians do like the open mic nights that i'm doing like the difference in quality is pretty big mm. do you because i you get kind of used to a level a certain level of comedy at the open mics which is it's funny, but it's not brilliant. And then someone like you comes on and just, ah, this is what I'm working towards. Oh, that's very nice of you to say. So, yeah, so you, uh, Will Franken was at an open mic night. Um, oh, he's great. I was, he was in Norway with me at the weekend. Ah. We spent the whole day like going for a walk. He's such a funny man. Yeah, he's brilliant. And you just see people like they go, ah, oh, this is, it's very, you don't see it very often. Because a lot of professional comedians that I've met, they have no idea about the open mic scene in London. They just, yeah. like, I said to one person, oh, there's, I'm doing a gig. At wherever it was around the corner and it was around the corner from where she lived she's like oh I didn't know that was there oh wow yeah yeah so there's a massive gap but, but you- there's also so many of them and people ask me like they go um, oh well, I'm starting comedy where should I go and yeah. I kind of go I'm not the right person to ask because well I'm in a weird place now because <laughs> yeah. I've been doing Loretta Main for uh, five six years maybe more than that um, where are what year is it 2015 <laughs> Uh, seven. <laughs> I've been doing Loretta Main properly for like seven years, let's say, and um, and I'm now doing going back to being myself on stage, which yeah. means I'm going and doing open mic nights. But the oh. open mic nights I did don't exist anymore. Yes. So it's just through like talking to people that I go and do them. Right. Um, but it is interesting going and doing. So some of the comedy nights I headline as Loretta Main, I now do either open spots or middle twenties to them because they don't know me as a stand-up yeah. comedian they only know Loretta Main so yeah. they want to check well is Pippa Evans <laughs> as funny as Loretta Main uh, luckily it's, it's, it is <laughs> it would have been awful if my imaginary person was funnier <laughs> than my actual self so that's um, so that's a weird place to be in but I do notice the difference in doing an open mic night if only because I have so much stage time experience yeah. that that's the real difference actually so I think think when you can go on a stage and know how to control a room, either I think that just makes such a big difference. You know, yeah. don't they say that they say it's you know it's ten percent material, ninety percent personality, and yeah, 
confidence really so you, you, you find them worthwhile doing those nights uh i mean it depends it depends what they are and it depends what i'm using it for mm. so if i literally i think a lot of particularly with you know when you're writing jokes sometimes you do just need to be able to go in front of an audience and say them out loud yeah so you can hear them and i don't think it necessarily matters at that point what that audience is like but the the first time you do a 10 in a proper friday night club you just really see the difference yeah yeah totally and uh i did my first middle 20 as myself at a proper night maybe in january and it wasn't great it wasn't awful but it wasn't brilliant and it was but it it was the same material that had been fine somewhere else and it's just about it being tight enough Mm. really and also again confident so being confident with that material as confident with my own material as i am with loretta with my with her material which is my material (laughs) (laughs) so you have to relearn how to do it as yourself well because it's a different rhythm isn't it yeah so so I speak differently to Loretta Main. Yes, obviously the accent. Yeah, the, there's an accent. And also she's just got a real clear attitude to life. Yeah. And I think when you're being yourself, you know, you change so much. What, mm. you know, what is your shtick? You know? <laughs> and, uh, and I don't think I'm a shtick person. Uh, so I think it's, more, it's a, sort of a much longer process, I think. So what's happening to Loretta? Oh, she's just uh, been put in a box for a while. Yeah. So she's just there. And I, sure. do, I, still, I do it for cash, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, but it's more just that I, I started to get a bit bored of it. Yeah. And I'd done three Edinburgh shows with her. And the last one, I lost quite a lot of money because uh, it's just so expensive because I need a band. Or I want a band. I want to yeah. do a really great show. Yeah. And to do a really great show in Edinburgh costs too much money. And uh, so we, even though it was a really great show, we didn't get the people in because I hadn't spent £10,000 on posters. And that's a real shame, you know. Are you going to do free fringe this year? Yeah, I did it last year as well, oh, actually. Was. So last year was when I started being myself. Right. But I did it quietly <laughs> just to check it was all right. So I did the free fringe. So I did paid fringe with Loretta right. because I needed, I think that the only thing, because I love to think the free fringe is great, but the only thing with the free fringe is that um, with tech and stuff, when you mm. really need, when tech is something you're really reliant on, yeah. I don't think free fringe is a great thing. Um, but that's why doing, so doing my own show on the free fringe was great, but having a full band and stuff, it's too much to ask. Yeah of a free fringe venue um so i did myself without any press or anything didn't even have a press release and uh, was full house every day was it yeah where, where was your venue at bannerman's on Trans- cowgate 145 it's like a pub and it's got a proper music room so it's got a door and everything Ooh. yeah and it's it was just really nice to be there the audiences were great uh 145 people aren't trashed yet you know um in the afternoon and because there's a yeah in the afternoon because <laughs> there's a door it's such a weird thing to say, <laughs> but so many free fringe venues don't have a proper door. Yes. That uh, having a door that shuts means people don't walk in halfway through because yes. they go, oh, the door is shut. Yeah. I must not open the door. Yeah, it's quite a few venues. Isn't it? People just wandering in. Mm. Like, There's a show going on. I saw one. I was walking through the shopping centre. Um, you know, the weird little shopping centre in Edinburgh by the train station. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, a, a shop that wasn't being used was a, a freestival venue. Really? But the doors didn't shut at all. So these poor people were doing their show with, you know, Saturday Saturday traffic of wow. uh, chat. I, I didn't I didn't care for that venue, I have to say. Yeah, I feel, I feel quite poor. bad for those guys. Mm-hmm. That's um, not the best venue in the world. So going back to when you first started, mm-hmm. what was the open mic scene like for you back then? When I was 18? yeah. Do you know what? When I when I was eighteen, five years um, ago, five years ago, uh, <laughs> my uh, Pat Pat Monaghan was on the circuit, and Shazia Mirza was just suddenly everyone was excited about Shazia and Francesca Martinez and 
it was it was fun, but I like I said, I was eighteen and everyone was a bit older, and I felt a bit. I felt like I didn't really fit in. Yeah. At that time, but it, and I think that's a, a confidence thing, and um, yeah. So, so that it was, it was, but also you'd, you'd go in timeout and you'd ring up the number in timeout and you'd yeah. ask to be on a bill. So it was, you know, when I was 18, was that the internet was, was there, but not really no what Facebook. it is today. There was no Facebook. Imagine no that. Twitter. It wasn't even a MySpace. I was, you know. I was thinking the other day, what did I used to use the internet for mm. before Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and... It was basically like a fancy CD-ROM before, wasn't it? <laughs> in Carter 2000. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's so. Yeah, so that was what it was. I can't really because I only did a few gigs. Ah. So it was what well, it was, just that, and uh, and I I enjoyed it when I was there. But it was just yeah, thinking about what am I, why am I here, and what am I saying, and and in, because I do so much improvisation, that's actually what got me uh, into comedy as well. Yeah. So because and that's yeah, that's that's the missing link. It's really hard to remember how you got into comedy. <laughs> is uh, when I was in I was in Edinburgh doing a really bad musical called The Sawdust Circle, mm. uh, and um, it was really miserable and everyone and it was miserable. And we to escape, I would go and watch Improvity, which was an impro group. Yeah. Uh, in on one of the free fringe, I think at, at City Cafe, and I made friends with um, one of the guys who ran it, Lloyd Stevens, and he said, "Oh well, when we get back to London, won't you come and try out?" Oh. So I went and. Uh, I used to do their box office for them. And then one day, um, Ruth Bratt, who's in Showstopper with me, um, she dropped out. She's, she didn't want to be in this group anymore. And he said, oh, well, do you, are you free? Because we need a girl. <laughs> Such was the, <laughs> the way of impro those days. Um, and so I went, yeah, sure. So that's, so that's how I started getting into improvising as well. Um, was just from hanging about like a bad smell. That's probably a good advice to have, just hang about. Hang about really is because the I'm, ultimate advice. Someone said, I can't remember who it was, but if you if you go out you'll have adventures mm. if you stay at home you'll just you won't do anything yeah so you can't sit at home complaining you're not doing anything you don't go out and actually do something yeah absolutely yeah and also i think there's a sometimes i think i suffer from this as well was um when i started not when i was 18 when i started doing comedy again i sort of like well surely you just uh, you do your funny stuff and then you're funny and then someone gives you a telly show and then that <laughs> that is your career right uh whereas, that's your internal monologue that's my internal monologue <laughs> and so then when it doesn't happen like that you're like Oh, what? Oh, maybe I've failed. Okay, well, well, no, actually. Why are you doing it? Are you doing this solely to get a TV show? Because then you're going to be sorely disappointed, I'm afraid. Whereas, it, like, exactly like you said, if you just go and do stuff and enjoy it, like, I really just love being on stage. Yeah. I just... I, I, so I'm married to a not performer. And he, sometimes I have to explain to him, uh, a muggle, uh, I have to explain to my muggle that why... <laughs> why it's fun to be on stage and how I could prefer to be on stage than stay in and, and watch something or go to the cinema or something, you know. Because yeah, when friends... I go see the cinema, I'm like, I want to be in this film. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm at the cinema, you know, when you just sort of wait and the, the pictures aren't going, I, I, I'll mm. nudge my wife and say, shall I just go down there and do five minutes? Mm-hmm. In front of the <laughs> Why not? If someone's got to do that at some point, that mm. would be brilliant. Maybe secret hidden camera film. It's my idea copyrighted. Okay. I love that. Um, so what was when you first started doing comedy? Were you doing a day job at the same time? Mm, yeah. Well, I did. I was quite lucky. I had some quite interesting jobs. I had a job which was called Idea Architects, and that, it was because I was an improviser. Yeah. 
they wanted basically what happened was companies would come in and you'd come up with amazing products for them and then they'd steal your idea brilliant um, but that's okay because they gave you like I think it was something crazy like 200 pounds a day in cash really? uh, yeah so uh, tax no. dodger hey. um, so I came up with um, there was a wine uh, Valentine's Day this must have been about 10 years ago seven years ago or something um, they had uh, like a, a not not one glass of wine but like just about two glasses of wine worth bottle with a glass with chocolates in it. It was like for Valentine's Day, ah. if you're just by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, we came up with that. And uh, I tried to get a sausage company to um, start making pork wedges, <laughs> but they weren't having it. I, I came up with their tagline. It was pork wedges, putting the pee back in party. Yeah. That sounds like a real product. Yeah, right? Yeah. See, pork straws as well. For pork you. straws. And you were, pork straws, was, the idea was that you have a, a straw made out of meat, <laughs> and then you drink soup through the straw, right. and then you eat the straw. So there's no waste, and you still get protein. I could, I could see why they didn't go for it. Pork. Putting, putting the pork back in the soup. Putting the pork in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. They'd love that. So well on Old Compton Street. <laughs> Uh, so that was one of my jobs I had. And then I had a job that was, um, uh, I used to work for a charity that took old people on holiday called the National Benevolent Fund for was the it Aged. Switzerland, was it? It's a no, clinic. it was not to Switzerland. Uh, come, come to this special room. <laughs> Just click the switch whenever you're ready. Uh, we used to take them on coach holidays. And it was, it was, it was probably my favourite job. I worked there for six months. Um, I was supposed to be a temp, but um, I loved it so much. Were you chatting on the Tannoy thing as well? The tannoy on the bus. Oh, I see. No, 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 no. No, I like organise oh. these massive holidays and then go on the holiday. Right. And uh, it was it was so much fun. Uh, my favourite thing that happened on one of these holidays was um, this. <laughs> that, so often you get um, a load of old white people and quite a lot of old Asian people, but them being old. Sometimes the you know the interracial relations <laughs> weren't what we'd hope, and. Uh, <laughs> And these old ladies were really quite quite a bit of work with uh, some um, Sikh gentlemen. So the Sikh uh, guy comes over and he um, he goes, "Look, I want to explain to you, you know, what my about my religion, so that you understand me a bit more. You know, this is my turban, um, this is my ceremonial bracelet, and this is my ceremonial dagger." And he pulls it out, no way, and. Uh, <laughs> We received a complaint letter from this lady that said, I had a wonderful time in, uh, in on the Isle of Wight um, until a Sikh gentleman tried to murder me. <laughs> so that's what happens when you try to integrate older people. Uh, it, was, it was a beautiful time. Uh, but I le- and I left that, and I left that um, once, once everything kicked off, really. What do you mean by kicked off? Well... So, um, so I did come, I think I started doing stand up. So 2005. Yeah. Properly. Um, by probably mean after I'd done my little 20 ones when I was 18, um, 20 open spots. And then I was sort of gigging when I could and then doing a day job or doing bits and bobs, um, and doing the improvising as well. And, and as much as I could, I'd find jobs that paid that still had some kind of performing in it. Yeah. But a lot of the time it was you know, working at a conference, ticking people in, that kind of thing. Um, and then in 2008, I um, somehow, I started doing this, oh, I had two characters I did on the circuit a lot, which was a Mandela, this like lady who 
had parties with people. I really can't explain her, but she was great fun. And I still like, she was still my favorite. And um, people really liked her. And uh, and the, and uh, so there was and there was loads of sketch at that time, loads of sketch nights, which there aren't quite so much anymore. I got invited by the BBC to come and do a day of writing, and this was the day I remember the most because it was the day I had to make the decision between money and comedy. Ah. And uh, so the um, John Pocock from the BBC, now at Hattrick, I believe, <laughs> uh, rang me up and he said, "Oh, hi, people, we'd, we'd really like to invite you to this thing." And we can offer you £80, which is a you know, standard contribution fee. Uh, and uh, if I took this job, it would mean I would have to not do another job with Idea Architect for where I'd be paid £600, which would pay my rent for a month and a half. Yeah. And I said, I'm really sorry, John, I just can't afford to do that. And he was like, OK, don't worry, I totally understand. And hung up the phone. And then I spoke, what are you doing? And I did movies. <laughs> so I rang him straight back and was like, actually, John, I realised it's a really stupid decision. So can I come and do the thing? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. That's great. So I did that. So I, and that's, that meant I never worked for Idea Architects ever again ah. because I'd let them down because yeah. it was a, it was a project about lipstick and I'd had to <laughs> buy a lipstick and wear it for a week so that I knew about this particular lipstick and then we'd do something to make it better. Yeah. Um, so I'd only been wearing this lipstick for a week and it just meant that I'd, I messed them up a bit. So I apologise now, Idea Architects, for uh, that. But it was an important decision to make. And yes. so I did that and then that meant that, that I sort of uh, had a foot in the door, as it were. And, and then I did the a new act of the year competition at the Hackney Empire thing. Uh, when it was the Hackney Empire. And I came second and that was with Loretta Main. Yeah. And um and that just meant that people were a bit more aware of me. Um and it's such a shame that's not at the Hackney Empire anymore because I think the Hackney Empire stage is the best stage ever and I think walking out on that stage is just the best feeling. So I'm really sad that that <laughs> new acts don't get that feeling because you feel like Oh my God, yeah. you feel the history on that stage. It's such a great stage. Anyway, uh, and then, so that meant I had a bit of buzz and I did my first Edinburgh show in 2008. Ah. And I got nominated for Best Newcomer. And Hannah Chambers had already asked me, so I did the classic thing where, so Hannah Chambers rang me up and said, and I didn't know who Hannah Chambers was because I didn't, I hadn't really looked into agents properly. And um, and Luke Tolson said, I can't believe you don't know who Hannah Chambers is. She's like the best in the whole world. I'm sorry. Um, so I... Uh, so I, uh, Hannah Chambers rang me and I said, and she said, can you come and do a 20 minute set at this private members club? And of course I said, yes, yes, I can. I can do a 20 minute set when I couldn't, I could only do five minutes. Uh, and, uh, so I went and I did this set and, um, probably 10 minutes of it was very good. And the other 10 were a bit shabby. Um, and then, she, so, and then I didn't speak to her again. And then I did Edinburgh and I got nominated and then lots of agents were like, Hello, Hi. how are you? So, uh, so I enjoyed that for a bit, and then uh, and then H- and Hannah said, "Oh, I'd like to represent you." So I signed with Hannah, and then Hannah said, "The first thing we want to do is get you to a point where you don't have to have another job, so that you're just earning money from doing stand up." Right. Okay. So they just got me to go and do all the clubs, and um, and that's how I got into the bigger clubs. Right. So I'd already done bits in other clubs, but yeah, but just to have someone say, "We think this act is good enough to be in your club." Is obviously a, a great thing. So yes. then I think it was 2009, like January, February, I stopped doing anything but comedy. Six years. Six years. It's been fun. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because it's, it is fun. And like I said, that whole monologue of like, you should be successful now. And what success is, is such a, I mean, that's a whole other podcast, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, so 
so if success is doing the thing you love every day and paying your bills with it, then yes, I am successful. <laughs> uh, but and I, and um, and doing all the things that you like always wanted to do is really fascinating. So mm. so to do that, so I do the comedy store players a lot, um, which is the, oh, is that on the group on, on the Monday, the, the Wednesday and the Sunday, right? And that was like my dream. Yeah. And now I do that. Going back to whose lines it anyway? Going back to whose lines anyway? Yeah, because you did a show on um, BBC. Was it BBC Three? What was it called? La- fast and loose. Fast. Because I, because when I first met you, I typed in your name into Google and I found this fast and loose. I was like, I used to love whose lines it anyway when I was a kid. I had no idea that program existed. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't. It didn't go very well. It was put on at a weird time. It just wasn't a happy program. No. You can see no one's happy. Like it, it's just because it wasn't. It was half improvised. It was. It was uh, half because there's only clips panel on there. show. And the clips yeah, yeah, look yeah. Good. There's, oh, but there were bits that were great, and yeah. that lying down on the floor thing. Yeah, yeah, is such a funny idea. But it just wasn't. It wasn't a, a very encouraging space for the performers. Um. So, so everyone sort of didn't didn't enjoy themselves very much, and I think that came across. Right. Uh, okay. So, and that was a shame because that was my dream yeah. to be in the new Who's Lies <laughs> Anyway. I was like, what? Oh my God, here I am. And then be there going, this is my dream. <laughs> this isn't like my dream. This is a nightmare. Uh, this is a nightmare. So that was, uh, so that was interesting. And, but it was an interesting first TV experience and, and it wasn't, it wasn't a great time. I didn't enjoy myself, uh, okay. but I learned I'm everything. sorry to bring it up. No, no, but that's why I should bring it up because... Because I thought that would be, I thought I'd get in that, sh- I was like, I'm in this show, it's going to be so much fun, but actually it wasn't fun because so much of television is about editing because there's so much money involved. Yeah. They're not, you know, it's not like doing the comedy store players or doing Showstopper or any other improvised show where you actually can just be yeah. left to do whatever happens because because at the end of the day, it's just an, it's an audience who's paid a ticket price and you're there live with them rather than having to edit together a show to try and sell to 52 million people and yeah. hope, hope some of them like it. Yeah. Such a, it's a much bigger ask of an impro show. Ah. Um, so yeah, so, so that wasn't a great experience, but that was a good learning experience for me of going, yeah. oh, so sometimes the things that you think you want, you really don't want. <laughs> Did you get involved in the Who Lines It Anyway thing in Edinburgh this year? No, I got, oh, I was so annoying. I got kept uh, to the post. So, um, so uh, they asked me to do one and then, and then uh, Josie Lawrence enjoyed it so much she came back up and so I got knocked out. But if you're knocked out by Jesse Lawrence, that's fair enough. That's all right, yeah. I, if I w- had come to see Who's Eyes Anyway live, I think I'd rather see Josie Lawrence than Pippa Evans. <laughs> no downer on me. I did want to go and see Who's Eyes, but it was too expensive. Oh, really, yeah. Yeah, because I, I was just up there to do, you know, open spots. Yeah, I, didn't, sure. I couldn't go and see all the shows because I no. would have been bankrupt by Hendrix. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a bit too expensive. Um, what would you say your bread and butter work is? Because you seem to do a lot of... A lot of different stuff. I do a lot of different yeah. stuff. Well, I think that's what is my bread and butter, actually, maybe, yeah. that I do lots of different ah. stuff. So I do... So maybe up until September last year, I would have said Loretta Main in the clubs would was my bread and butter. Right, yeah. But then since I've stopped doing her so much, obviously it's it's not... It's not... So when my bread and butter is more improvising. So Showstopper and Comedy Store Players and... Uh, teach improvisation. Ah, uh, because that's, that's the sort of oxymoron, isn't it? Oxymoron, like teaching improvising. Well, I suppose the way of looking at it is like you teach a football team. So so you, you train in skills and then you're yes. set out into the field with those skills and do what you will with them, you know. So it's not, yeah, you can't, you can't rehearse a show, yeah, but you cause... can learn how to 
behave with other people on stage? Uh, I think because I've never done improvisation. Because mm. I did a comedy course, I did Logan's one, which Alexis okay, did. Yeah. I did it two years ago. And when we did the improvisation stuff then, I didn't really enjoy it. But did I not enjoy it because I didn't think I was any good at it? Because I didn't have two years worth of doing comedy experience that I've got now. Yeah. Would I enjoy doing it? Yeah, and also the first time you try anything that's different, it's not fun because yeah. you're going, oh, I, I'm not very good at this. But whenever I teach, I always go, remember, you've just paid to do a workshop. So if you are here and you're really good at this, you've wasted your money. So enjoy <laughs> being point. bad at this yeah. because <laughs> you need to invest in it. And, uh, and it's true. And loads of people come. and you know, But even if I, do, if I take part in a workshop, yeah. there be bits I'm rubbish at. And I've been in yeah. for like 10 years now. And, uh, I love, and I love it, you know, and I love it. Did you ever see that show with um, Paul Merton? I think it was on, it was on a good few years ago. With... Uh, thank God I'm here. Yeah. Uh, thank God you're here. Even. Thank God you're here. Yeah, uh, yeah it was, that was bad. The reason that was bad is Did, because... Were you in it? No. No. It was because the actors in it weren't improvisers. So, or which they were improvisers, they were given scripts. Oh. So what you want is for them to be improvising things. Yeah. The person comes in and they react to whatever they do. But instead they had to go... You know, I think Fern Britton was really good. She came in and she was like, Madame, they said, oh, what's your name? And she said, my name's Madame du, de Zouza, will it say. And they went, no, it's not. Your name's this. So it was like, well, so is this improvising or is this just guessing? Uh, it became a guessing game rather I, than... I a, did enjoy the show know. at the time. And I did wonder why it didn't come back for another series. I think it wasn't free enough. That was my opinion. And I hold that opinion only. And you are welcome to that opinion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what's it like doing the um, comedy store players? Well, it's great. It's really, it's just great to be on stage. It's basically like improvising with um, lots of naughty boys. Really? Yeah, because they're all, <laughs> they're all so fun. They're just so funny. They're just funny. Yeah. So, and they're just bam, bam, bam out the punchline. So you have to be quick to do it. Yeah. Uh, and, it's, and it's just, I mean, the comedy store is a great space. So, um, so I really, really enjoy it. And it's lots of games, which is what I started doing. So all the games from Whose Eyes Anyway, you know. Yeah. Um, but then the second half is a is a story, like a long form narrated story. Um, and that's, so it's a bit bit freer, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's really fun. And I mean, improvising is, is great anyway. But when you know there's people there who can come up with punchlines uh, like that, it's, yeah. it's even better. I think I definitely need to give it a try. Yeah, you should. Because I've done, I started doing sketches. Which is fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, not live, just on the another sketch podcast that I've been mm-hmm. doing. So I've been writing those. Yeah. So I'm just trying to do everything I can to be creative. Because mm. doing this editing is fun, but I don't make any of it. No. I just bolt together what someone's already done. You don't feel like that's creative? No. Well, this one that's on the screen now, I filmed. Okay. So I've kind of got full control over it. So it does look nice. But then if you're just taking a TV ad that's storyboarded, you're basically just bolting it together. There's no... Oh, I see, I've got yeah. no create. I can make it look really good, but I can't make it. You can't change the narrative. No. Okay. Yeah. Unless I put explosions in there. <laughs> just gone, do it. Just do it. Yeah, they probably to, won't notice. I think they were off to Cuba next week to film some mangoes that are talking on sticks. So <laughs> I don't think I can put explosions on the back of that. <laughs> Exploding mangoes. <laughs> I'm just losing the. I'm losing my mind. Do you find that when you're on stage, your mind just goes blank, or have you got past that point now? Uh, not when I'm on stage. Yeah. When I'm before I go on, sometimes I can't remember any of my jokes. Yeah. And I worry that I've forgotten everything. Uh, I know when I'm not. I know when I'm having a bad gig is when I'm like dreaming while I'm talking. So I'm not a bad. By by bad I mean I'm just like not at all engaged in the gig. Yeah. So uh, 
So if I'm thinking about my dinner, I suddenly go, quick, <laughs> quick, get back in there. Have you done it long enough now so the audience don't know that you're doing that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I touch wood, don't have bad gigs, like proper bad gigs. I had an amazing gig experience at Christmas where I was, it was Loretta Main and uh, it was my first time I've ever had a proper Christmas experience where um, these guys wouldn't listen, weren't listening to me and then they uh, screamed, they were like, get your tits out at me. And they'd been saying other stuff before that and I sort of turned, <laughs> turned around to them and uh, I was like, what did you just say to me? And they were like, get your tits out. So I walked onto their table and went, what did you just say to me? And the guy, not even looking at me on the phone, went, get your fucking tits out. So I went, okay. And so I picked up his pint, his pitcher of beer and poured it on him. Uh, and he was like, what? what? And, then it, and then this massive fight broke out. Uh, <laughs> but that's the, first, that's the first time I've ever felt like the audience were, really weren't listening to me. <laughs> Or that. So, uh, that's the first time I've had a monologue in my head going, Some, this is, something's going to go wrong. Oh. And it's almost like, like I had two voices in my head. I had my voice in my head, Loretta Main voice in my head. Because Loretta Main is like a really angry American singer. And she, if someone says that to her, she's going to kick. I mean, really, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas with me, Pippa Evans is going, just um, just go off the stage. Um, do I don't know, find the safe safe room uh, and Loretta's like what the fuck how did anyone fucking say that to me uh, and so it was this really crazy dialogue. and that's what I quite like is when you're on stage and you're telling jokes but you've got another voice in your head going okay that table's not listening that person over oh, oh, that person needs some attention oh you know they're rich. you know so so you've got your sort of uh, surround surround sound or I don't know what, what's the word you've got your, your eyes on, on the whole room and then you're your focus on just the material as well. It's hard yeah. work, isn't it? Yeah, it, uh, yeah. I think people don't realise because the whole point of it is that it should look like you yeah. just walked on stage and like, oh yeah, I just thought, <laughs> I just had this really funny thought about llamas. Uh, <laughs> just occurred to me just now. In fact, a friend of mine said that they went on a stag do uh, and um, they went to the comedy uh, comedy store on a Friday. Yeah. And then the and he said it was like, really funny. And then and then on the Saturday, his girlfriend was like guess what I've got? Tickets to the comedy store. And he was like, oh, okay. So they went to the comedy store. And of course, it's the same comedians doing the same jokes, yeah. even the same um, put downs, of course, yeah. sometimes. Because because that's what we do is we write jokes. And of course, there's other people that um, use improvisation a lot more. But majority of us will have, the, the 18 to 20 minutes will be <laughs> a set. That's why yeah. it's called a set, because it is set. Uh, and he, he said it blew his mind. He could not believe that all these things that on the Friday he'd felt were so improvised and just yep. off the cuff uh, weren't. Which is so weird because when I used to watch that Lee Evans video over and over again, and then me and my brother went to see Lee Evans live, I was so pleased to hear him say the jokes that I really liked yep. from the video. So a bit of us knows, but another bit of us doesn't really want to know. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because it, you see the same people on the open mic circuit. I went for a period of going, oh, they're just hearing the same jokes that I've done over and over again. Yeah. But then when I see them, I enjoy what they do. So then I realise, well, they might might enjoy what I'm doing again. Yeah. So I'll just carry on doing it. I got really paranoid about that for a long time because especially once you're on the uh, paid circuit, you're being paid. Yeah. So it has to be good. So you can't go on a Saturday night and be like, I'll just try out this new 10 minutes, yeah. especially with musical comedy. 
because songs are like a massive commitment. So yeah. if you're going to sing a song, it better be fucking good because you can't be like, here's a song about Postman Pat, Postman Pat, Velcro, no one knows who Postman Pat is. There's only four more minutes to go. Okay, here we go. Carry on. Greendale. Uh, and, uh, so, sorry, so you can't do that. So I meant that I felt exactly the same, but with the more established acts. And I think when you start as well, you think for some reason, like the big, the big headliners are going to change your life somehow as yeah. if they're going to hear your set and be like that's it <laughs> that's the secret of comedy guys get Pippa Evans in um, but actually they don't they don't and, and I said to Stephen Grant because I do comedia in Bar- uh, Brighton quite a lot I love the comedia it's just a great if you get in there it's just they're just lovely and they're just great gigs and it's a great room and it's just wonderful and Stephen who books it Stephen Grant said, I remember saying to him I'm really sorry it's the same set again he was like I'm a promoter I want <laughs> I want you to do your best set you know don't don't worry about it obviously there, there comes a point where you go that's the same set you've had for 20 years you should maybe think about changing it yeah. but um, or um, um, do you know Raymond and Mr Timpkins no and they're a uh, so they're a double act and they're, they're just really funny but it's very much physical slapstick uh and uh, so for them to add material, it's a lot harder because yeah. it's, it's, again, it's, it's not like you can just add in a... You know? Yeah. So they said, I think they said they add like five minutes a year or something. Yeah. Yeah. Which isn't, isn't much, but if you think about it in terms, that's a quarter of a set. Yeah. So it's, but it's five minutes of really good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. What's your sort of turnover of material? Do you just keep the same, like the stuff you're doing at Laugh Minute, how much of that set that you did of 10 minutes do you think you'll keep... I don't remember what I did, but uh, so I imagine half of it was from my Pippa show last year, and I imagine half of it's from this will be from this year's show. Um, So I find uh, every year I write an Edinburgh show at least one, (laughs) and uh, and from that there'll probably only be twenty minutes that circuit. Ah, the rest of it's kind of Edinburgh. So again, there's that difference between what you can get away with, like at an art centre. And what and some of that and when I say get away with some people think well, it's so self indulgent but it's not <laughs> what it is is there's there's people that want would like to listen to a funny idea and there's yes. people that want punchlines yeah and you have to be able to look at a room and go punchlines so for example that awful Christmas gig uh, I started and I did a song went really well bam and then I said something I can't remember what it was but I remember I start I started something that sort of needed people to listen for more than ten seconds. And I could just tell they couldn't because they were so drunk by then. So I did just immediately go. That's why the other sort of head thing is, and um, you have like your rolodex in your head of jokes. You can, uh, yeah. oh, that's what this is what we need. We need this bit. The ten minutes about breasts or something. You know? <laughs> Let's talk about cocks for ten minutes. It's fine. Um, and I think that's that's an important thing is to be able to chop and change. Yeah. Uh, and go right. What does this audience need? Because sometimes like Loretta Main works really well on a Friday, Saturday night in a club because it's quite aggressive and it's loud. And, uh, and, it's, and it's basic in terms of it's about love, it's about sex, it's about life, you know. Whereas uh, I've done art centres on like a Sunday with her and it's been awful because it's not, it's not rude actually, mm. it's just aggressive. And, yeah. that, and to come on stage with that much energy and, some, and you've got a room full of people drinking tea, quite literally. <laughs> like they're, they're drinking tea and they're all going to leave, in fact, before my set because of the last train. There's that kind of crowd where they're worried about the train rather than yeah. having a good night. So, uh, so those people, you go, okay, what can I do? How can I make this? Have you ever gone to a gig as Loretta but then stopped and changed to yourself? Um, I've done, I think I've done both, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I've gone to a gig that was supposed to be me and the crowd were just so crazy. Uh, 
turned to the promoter and went, I think we need Loretta. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, I think you're right. And so I did. And But again, I had a really interesting thing there because I went on and they were, the worst thing about this gig was the people kicking off were friends of the open spot in the middle. Ooh, okay. And they were just, and he came over and he was like, I'm so sorry. They're just like really coked up. And I was like, what? Why is that? Why are they your friends? If my friends turn up to support me in the yeah. converse, and they were just coked up to the max. Oh, not impressed. Not impressed. Anyway, uh, so uh, so I, anyway, I went on as Loretta and and smashed it and got it all back. And um, and then as I went back, they were like, oh, uncle, uncle, uncle. So I, I went to go back on stage, and as the compere uh, was just talking about something, this guy went, "Get your waps out at me." And I couldn't, I was so angry after Christmas. And I, I was like, why would you say that to someone? Yeah. But because I just looked at him, I went, what did you just say to me? <laughs> and uh, he went, nothing, nothing. I didn't say anything. <laughs> and then I, so I think it went on, did another song, came back. And then afterwards he came up and tried to shake my hand and shook my hand. And he was like, and he said, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're really good. And I said, why did you eat? Why would you even say that? Yeah. So why did you say it? And he was like, I know, I don't know. I don't know why I said it. <laughs> I said, well, I said, you shouldn't say that to anyone. You shouldn't say that to a, a comedian. You shouldn't say that to your friend. You shouldn't say that to any woman. Get your waps out. So, oh, no, I'm really embarrassed. I'm sorry. Oh, I will never say it again. Oh, I'm really sorry. But it's so weird that that was... As well, because I'd smashed it. I was like, yeah. is this just because you can't cope with the fact that I smashed it? Or you're just oh. panicking? Or you're just trying to be funny? That's the worst bit. You're I like, think I, don't just... think, I don't think it's any deeper than that. Like, yeah. Get your waps out. Yeah. Luckily, I haven't had too many heckles. It's been, oh, really, yeah. it's been fine. But I yeah. really... Well, I think, again, that's something that you're warned about. Like, you're going to get heckled. Yeah. Actually, if you're really good, you, you probably won't mm. get heckled that much. And then when you do, you'll be able to deal with it. Yes. And also, there's different heckles. You know, some, sometimes they're really funny. Yeah. So there's that, then you have to just say, that's really funny. Applause to you. Applause, yeah. Have... Acknowledge <laughs> the good heckle. What's your favourite stage to play on, apart from the hackney? My favourite stage mm. to do stand-up on? Or just perform, just that you walk out there and you go, this is going to be a good time. I mean, I do. I really love Comedia Brighton. I really, really love Comedia. I think that's a great, a great stage. Comedy stage is, is a nice stage. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't do stand up there very much because I only ever do the charity nights because I'm a woman and oh. a character <laughs> and I play a guitar. So I'm a triple wham dreadful <laughs> act. Um, and uh, I can't, I can't think of other stages that I that smash my brain into oblivion from the top of my head um but yeah the ha- i mean the hackney empire i love proper old theater stages yeah i think they're fantastic i really quite like the clapham grand um i've only been there as a nightclub yeah. for the uh, disco floor well it's so funny i was just i just read john major's book um about old time his music time hall. in the disco his father was a old time music hall act oh right yeah I, yeah, I think, yeah yeah so i was just reading his book about that and it talks about the clapham grand which of course, you and I know as a nightclub. Yeah. Um, but um, Comedy Carnival used to be there. I don't think it is there anymore. Uh, and it's a shame because it should be still a, a, a comedy show. And they film um, uh, all stand-up, the Channel 4 stand-up show. I can't remember what it's called. Sarah's yeah. in there. That one, Angela Barnes did it. What's it called? I Whatever did. it is. Yeah. You know the one I mean. But yeah. they film that there. And I think it's a really... A really good room when it's used properly. Good connection to the railway station too. And it's got a good railway connection. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I quite like doing the Udderbelly actually on the South Bank. That's a good... The festival's there now, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we're doing show, we do Showstopper there pretty much every Sunday. Ah. So that's fun. 
So yeah, so I mean, I quite like I quite like lots of different stages, but there is that weird thing when you're at a venue that you've played loads and you really just feel at home on that stage, even though what the audience is always going to be different. Yeah. But you, for some reason, <laughs> just having that knowledge of that space is. Uh, Do you find the audiences fantastic. in certain venues are kind of the same sort of audiences, or can you go to the same venue and have a completely different type of audience? Um, I suppose. People are kind of the same, I think, Yeah. generally. I think audiences are usually up for it, too up for it, not up for it enough. <laughs> those are the three categories. Or Sunday. I think that's the, those or are the, Sunday. Or it's a Sunday. <laughs> I think Sunday is usually the kind of more relaxed kind of crowd. They're yeah. like, yeah, I just want to, they kind of want to click their fingers instead yeah. of clap. <laughs> jazz, they want jazz. So do you think, do you work every single day? Uh, yeah, most days. Yeah. yeah, I try. I uh, due to being um, married, um, I promised I would have one night off a week. <laughs> um, but it, but it doesn't um, always happen like that. Um, but yeah, I try and be on stage. I try and be on stage five nights a week. Yeah, yeah. So and that might be anything from stand up to an open mic to an improv show. Yeah. Are you very rigid with your work? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I come in fits and bursts, really. Yeah. And I need a deadline. I'm really bad. I can't write unless I've got a deadline. Yeah, that's what I find with sketches. I'll We do the recording once a month. I won't do anything for three and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. And I go, shit, we're recording on Thursday. Yeah. What's in the news? Right, I write some sketches about that. Yeah. Well, right. Also, like, doing the Now show, I have to write a song every week and it has to be about something from that week. So... Do you find it easier if you've got a subject to talk about? Yeah. Yeah? Generally, that, that can help. Or... Yeah. Um, but also just sitting down and doing it is such a weird... <laughs> that we, we have some weird thing in us that doesn't want to do that. And I don't know why, but we really fight doing what we want to do. It's so, bizarre, isn't it? So like, oh yeah, I should write my Edinburgh show. Yeah, do, I'll do that. And I think... It, but it's also when you say something like that, I'm going to write my Edinburgh show. You're never going to write your Edinburgh show in one go unless no. you're some kind of magic person. <laughs> but, um, but if you go, oh, I've got that bit about Netflix I need to write. You just... You go, yeah, I'll, just, I'll do that. I'll do that soon. I'll do that soon. Whereas if you just sat down for an hour and wrote as little as an hour, Richard Herring talks about this thing called Don't Break the Chain, which is you should write for a minimum of an hour a day. And when yeah. you've written for that hour, you make an X in your diary. And then the next day you have an X and the, and the idea is that you make a chain. Ah, and that if you yeah. miss a day, you've broken the chain. <gasps> what happens when you, you break the chain? go to hell. Oh, shit. Go to hell. I'm very much You have to hell. be on loose women for the rest of your life. <laughs> Have you ever done warm-up for these women? I've never done warm-up, no, no. No, I've never done warm-up. I don't know how many female warm-up acts there are. I'd be interested to know about that. I've, I've only ever seen... I've only ever been to two TV recordings and I can't remember the warm-ups at all. All my TV experiences have been with male warm-ups. I can't remember who, if there was a warm-up. I've done TV with Mark Olver doing oh. warm-up when I was doing 15 to 1. No, not 15 to 1. What's it called? <laughs> um, what's that one called with the box? Deal or No Deal. They did ah. like a celebrity Deal or No Deal. Did you do that? Was, um, where it was like Jimmy Carr and then 15 circuit comic. <laughs> How many boxes are there? I don't know, but Mark Olver did the warm-up there. He's great. And then something else with um, Charlie Baker doing warm-up. I doubt he does warm-up anymore. But it's such a different skill. Yeah. It's an amazing skill to watch. I went to see the recording of uh, Live from the Palladium. Um, and that was uh, Sunday Sunday Night Live at the Palladium, and the warm up guy was just amazing because uh, I don't know what his name was, but he um, he would literally just be they go like you've got ten minutes, 
And so you do 10, but it has to be 10 minutes of audience participation. And then about seven minutes into this balloon blowing competition, they're like, no, no, we need to, we need to reset. So then he has to just be like, where yeah, you are. There we go. Done. Back. Uh, okay. Uh, and then they go, oh no, actually carry on. You know, so, and then he has to start again. Oh, it's really such a tough, tough thing, but he's got it all, you know, he's got his bits and then his little one-liners and he's got his balloons. Charming, 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 you know. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it. I think it is, but I imagine it's a frustrating thing where you're going. I would like to be in the show, actually. Yes. You know. Yeah. I don't know. I'd be interested to know. Are there any warm up guys who just want to be warm up guys? Because that must mm. be true. Just like you get people on the circuit who do just want to be on the circuit. Yeah, because you're not just on the circuit. You're doing other. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but then, but there are people who just go. Oh no, I just want to do my twenty minutes three times a week. Yeah. And that's it. That's just what all I want to do. I don't think that's enough for me. Really. Not what that do you, I'm doing that you, at all. What do you want? I want, yeah, sketches. Um, maybe not improv. I could probably be really bad at that. Um, I do improv at home, though, with the kids. Ah. Like, you're always mucking around doing silly voices. Even if I get up off the sofa and walk to the kitchen to get the wife a cup of tea, mm. I'll do something to try and make her laugh. Mm-hmm. She usually goes, why am I married to you? But <laughs> I do try. <laughs> One day it will work, and I'll remember it and try it again live somewhere. Um <laughs> I just want to have fun. Just be creative. I suppose that's the hard bit as well, is that mm. once it's a job, there are times when it's just not fun. Yeah. Or like if you've had a really shit day or some crap's gone down and you have to go on a stage, you can't go on that stage and be like, I've, been, I've done gigs where confeds have gone out and gone like, I've got flu and I feel really bad. Just go, they don't, they don't pay £15 to hear you <laughs> complain about your flu unless you've got a really good punchline to your yeah. flu story. So so that's that can be hard when you're having a really bad day. Have you seen um, the Katy Perry film on um, Netflix? No. I, what's it called? Piece of Me, maybe? And um, and they follow her. And there's this bit at the end where um, Russell Brand's just broken up with her and she's just a mess. She's just, cry. she's just crying and crying and crying. And all of her management around her going, um, Katy, this show's in, uh, show's in like 20 minutes. So uh, <laughs> do you think, you, you know, we can, we can cancel if you want? And she's just lying in a chair going... <laughs> <laughs> and then they're cutting to the, the stadium filling up with people <sighs> yeah and then um and then suddenly she's just standing in the chute ready to go up on the podium wearing a dress with windmills on her breasts uh, <laughs> and the windmills start turning on her tits she's still crying and then um and then it, it, they go three two and she just cuts into a smile <gasps> yeah and up he goes and she's there Katy Perry! <laughs> go, wow. She is a professional. Yeah, that's what she gets paid the big bucks for. That's right. I mean, I don't have to wear windmills on my tits, um, but I like to think that that's how I behave when I go on stage. I think I do try and do that as well. If I'm sitting at the back going, oh, it's going to be terrible, I've got a headache, blah, blah, blah. I do try and just go... Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, it's just what's the point of doing it if you're not going to go and enjoy it yeah and I think that's the key as well and in fact when I started being myself and I was finding it really stressful and I was going just be Loretta it's easier uh, I was going well if, if this is how it makes you feel to do yourself then maybe don't do yourself ah. because if you if you really want to be yourself then you have to enjoy it and it's true the only ones that haven't gone well have been the ones where I haven't been enjoying myself because I've been too worried about it going well ah yes you know? and actually yeah. The audience don't want it to go well. The audience don't care if you get all the words in the right order. They just want to be entertained. That's what they want, is to be entertained. And I think comedians come in uh, to different kind of brackets. 
I think you're either the comedian who wants to impart knowledge to the audience or you're the comedian who wants to entertain the room. Yep. And I'm definitely the one who wants to entertain the room yes. rather than the one who wants to, uh, has a, a clever point to make. And I, I mean that in a non-derogatory way in that I'm just not that good at that kind of stuff. No. I just like making people laugh. That's and exactly if, what I And mean. I had a whole section in my Edinburgh show about cock jokes because I think they're very funny and I think a lot of people think they are funny but <laughs> I, I had a conversation with Paddy Lennox once where he did this amazing 10 minute routine about I think it was about his cack cack his cat <laughs> licking his penis not his penis his cat cat licking his own penis uh, I think that's it if you're listening Paddy please correct me um, and it was really funny the audience were laughing their heads off and he came off stage and went oh I'm so embarrassed I just did 10 minutes of cock jokes I was like <laughs> People just laugh their asses off at you. Yeah. Come on. But other comedians would say, if you, you know, if that the, your truth isn't in that cock story, then you shouldn't be telling that story. So that's a, that's a kind of a continuing debate, I suppose. But I'm very much of the, hey, I'll do a dance for you, monkey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mine's all just the funny things that happen to me with a punchline on the end. Yeah. There's no massive. I've often thought, oh yeah, I really want to, you know, do something serious and impart this wisdom and knowledge. I haven't got any wisdom or knowledge. Yeah, I think that's it. Once you realise you are as stupid as everyone else, yeah. <laughs> life's a lot more simple. The stuff I'm doing at the moment is about hummus. Yeah. So, <laughs> there's nothing intelligent dips. in there. Dips, celery. Baba ganoush. Baba ganoush. It's the best, the best name of a dip ever. It's a great name. Baba ganoush. It's an <laughs> aubergine dip. Ah. You're obviously not as middle class as me. No, well, I had some very middle class pes- uh, hummus the other day. Did you? It was, it was confused because it was hummus with pesto. No, wrong. Shouldn't be done. It's not hummus then. Upsets really? me when they're like, it's really? a different... Oh, it's red pepper hummus. It's not hummus. It's red pepper... That's just red pepper dip. Controversial. It's not controversial. It's not hummus. <laughs> it's not like hummus. It's got chickpeas in it. That doesn't... Yeah, so it's got a, a chickpea curry's got chickpeas in it. Doesn't mean it's hummus. Hummus curry. Yeah. <laughs> right, we are coming up to an hour. All right. Wow, that was a lot of chat. It was a lot of chat. Have you got anything you would like to promote? When's this going out? Next week. Next week, I'll be in Singapore. Ah. Um, are you in Singapore? Uh, come and see me. Um, well, no, I mean, I'm doing the all the Vote Now shows, which are all on BBC Radio 4 Extra and then Radio 4 on the days. But um, to come and see Showstopper at the, at the Underbelly, that would be the best. We're most Sundays there. Uh, and follow me on Twitter, at I am Pippa Evans. That was very good. That was a nice little soundbite. Thank you very much. <laughs> I've had a great time. <laughs> um, right, so that's it for me. And, and that's it for you. Yes, goodbye. Goodbye.